Hi, and welcome to Strangers on the Internet, a podcast about making online dating work for you. My name is Irina Manta, and I'm a professor at the Maurice A. Dean School of Law at Hofstra University. I'm also a dating coach and consultant to the dating app industry. And I am Michelle Lang, a senior lecturer in psychology at Christopher Newport University in Virginia and a clinical psychologist in private practice. All views expressed on this podcast are our own and not our employers. Sometimes you see stuff go wrong in friends' relationships, and it's hard to stay quiet about it. Perhaps there is abuse or just generic bad behavior. When is it okay to step in, and when should you butt out? Let's discuss. It's hard to watch a friend or family member go through difficult times or problems in their relationship. When should you offer unsolicited advice and when should you leave the meddling alone? What's the line between being a good friend and going too far or even being codependent? Well, let's talk about it. So let me start with a question for you, Michelle. Should you generally comment on a good friend's relationship, whether positively or negatively? You know, I think generally you should not because I think it's one of those areas where if people aren't asking for advice or an opinion, what is the rationale for giving it? Um, So I think generally there's no rationale for commenting on somebody else's relationship. In, In specific situations, it may make sense. Like if you know somebody has gone through a string of bad relationships and now they seem to be really happy, you know, that might be something where you have a reason for pointing it out in context. But I would say like with most other things, if people aren't asking you, what is the motivation for you saying something? I do tend to think of it as a mind your own business sort of situation in general. How does that square up with your thoughts? You know, the thing is, sometimes it's sort of ambiguous whether the person is asking or not, right? Because they'll be like, sharing about their life and just in the back and forth of the conversation at some point like there's only so many times you can say neutral things like oh wow oh that's interesting that he did that or that she did that like i feel like at some point just the way that conversational patterns evolve the way that people would normally comment about whatever the topic is they're talking about that it's gonna start slipping in and that you almost have to make more of a concerted effort to stop yourself or I don't know, maybe that's just me, but I I don't know how I would feel kind of not saying anything like good or bad. Like if someone is just talking and you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, that's nice. (laughs) I get you. You're right. And I would, I would guess maybe there's less risk involved with saying something generally positive, like, they sound like a really supportive partner or you seem really well suited or something like that. There's certainly less risk of somebody taking offense at that. So I would imagine with positive comments, they are going to be better received um, than critical comments or questions by the other person. Still, I would say you want to think about what's your rationale for bringing something up. And sometimes there are good reasons. Sometimes there are things we're concerned about going on in other people's relationships. Like, can you think of examples of either situations you've seen in your 
real life or ones through your research or through social media that you have seen where you're thinking, no, this might be a case where I could understand why somebody might want to say something? Well, I think it's especially happened when I saw someone repeatedly bring up instances where their partner had treated them badly and they like kept making excuses for the partner. It's like, oh, well, but he's just overworked or she just had a bad day or, you know, and, and it would just maybe turn into this. And, and look, we've all done it, right? I'm, I'm no exception. We've all done this kind of broken record thing. Of like, oh, well, and this happened and this happened and this happened. And after a while, as a friend, you're like, well, maybe you should draw some sort of conclusions from this, right? Like what, uh, and, and there are ways, of course, to, to ask, like, how do you feel about that, right? Like there are kind of uh, psychologist-like ways to, to do that. But I guess that's where it starts really being concerning. It can even get very frustrating for a friend. I, I'm sure... Some people get frustrated if they feel like a lot of their time is being taken up with just lots of stories that involve someone doing something bad. And then you feel like the person doesn't seem to be really acting on it. I'm sure people come to you because they know you're a therapist and they unload, right? So after a while, you must be in a bit of a bind. So I tend to think it's actually probably a little different than what people might expect. I think people keep their relationship, my friends keep their relationship information more to themselves with me a lot of the time because Mm. they maybe want to not look at it as what would a therapist say about this? Sometimes people know, you know, that a therapist might might challenge them in a way that they don't want to be challenged by a friend. And so I think more often than not, I don't have friends talking about relationship problems with me. I mean, I can think of one example where a friend did and it didn't go great um it was i mean it was a long time ago now but what had happened was i mean she just had a string of boyfriends who weren't great to her and the time i had known her which had been a couple or a few years at this point she had had several boyfriends none of whom were particularly great to her some were like okay but they ultimately just disrespected her in some kind of way and this current boyfriend had I thought done something that was particularly egregious. It wasn't abuse per se, but it was it was pretty hurtful what he did. And let me preface this by saying she had another friend group that was like friend group adjacent for me. I wasn't in the group, but I knew a lot of them. I had hung out with them before here and there. And they were like her close friend group. And we she and I were more work friends, but we were friends. Anyways, She had told me that her friends from the friend group had previously spoken up about him and were basically like, you could do better. And her response to that was like cutting off her friends. And Mm. I observed that, you know, and so I was like, well, if I don't want to lose the friendship, you know, I shouldn't say anything. And I didn't for a while until this particularly egregious thing. And then I remember thinking to myself, if you say something, the odds are she's going to cut you out just like she cut her other friends she had had longer out. But if you don't say something, it just feels really wrong because what he had done was particularly egregious. So I decided to say something and exactly what I expected happened did happen. She cut me out. She chose him. He continued to be a terrible boyfriend for a few more months until I don't even know why they finally broke up, but they did. We were able to like sort of repair our friendship after that, but it was never the same Mm -hmm. after that. 
Um, you know, I think she didn't like people passing judgment on her for staying with somebody under less than ideal circumstances. And I know for me, I didn't like feeling like when I was honest and being a good friend to you, that you would cut me off. Um, and so, so our friendship never fully recovered from that. And, and I've heard many stories similarly, where when people do try to say something out of concern for a friend or family member, that's the most likely outcome is that the person who expresses concern get shut out. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean you shouldn't say something. You know, in my situation, I understood that was a possibility and a likely possibility. And I still chose to say something because to me, it felt like the right thing. You know, I do have that background knowledge as a therapist that maybe not everyone has about, you know, statistics relating to quality of life when you stay in unhealthy relationships and the likelihood of that stuff continuing. And so I wonder if maybe even me with that background information, it made it easier for me to make that decision in the direction that I did than somebody else might have. Do you have any stories of when you've ever said something to a friend and if it was like good or bad, how it turned out? Um, I don't, I don't think I've ever had anyone sort of like cut me out, but I have definitely also picked my battles. Like I have not commented on every problematic relationship that, that I see. And some of my friends are with people where there are question marks in my mind, right? And some of them have been with them for a long time. And I'm like, okay, look, I could be wrong or who knows what's going on inside that relationship. Like, it's not like an obvious, like, aha, red flag, there's violence, there's this, there's that. It's not like that, but just things where like, I don't love the dynamics and I don't feel like there is equality and I like just things like that. And I don't necessarily comment on that unless I'm asked. And I, I do feel like a lot of people, you're right, a lot of people do keep relationship stuff to themselves, right? Like they don't necessarily share, not just with therapists, but maybe not with anybody, in part due to some sort of sense of loyalty also, right? Like it's like, well, we don't want to betray the, the partner. And then there's also this weird thing that can happen, I guess, where maybe a person is angry, maybe even breaks up with their partner. And then if you tell them, oh, I never liked that guy, or I never liked that woman, all of a sudden they get back together. <laughs> and yeah. then you might be, right, then you might have a problem. So I have not been cut out by anyone. I have not cut out anyone. Like even when people have been critical of partners I was with, I, I can't think of a single time that I sort of took it in such a bad way that I, you know, didn't want to talk to a person. Like I always felt like, okay, this person is like thinking about me and they want the best for me. And like, that's the spirit in which I took their comments. But yeah, I mean, I do think like, I do think some people are very sensitive about what you say, frankly, about anything having to do with them. Like they maybe don't take criticism well about any topic. Yeah. I feel like that's also, we're back to like saying cultural stuff, but like, I do think it's a bit of a cultural problem too, right? It's like, rah, rah, America, right? It's like, we're positive. We, you know, we got to cheerlead. We don't want to be negative. And so I, I do think that's a bit of a problem because people, for example, people let people get married to narcissists without stopping them. And then later, maybe they'll say like, oh yeah, I never really liked that he was doing such and such. And it's like, well, thanks, you know? Like now it's too late. So, so those are to me pretty tragic 
scenarios, right? Where it's like, well, why didn't you try to intervene? And I totally think, I mean, it sounds to me like you totally did the right thing by saying something like at some point things crossed line. And so that's the next thing I want to ask you, like, what are the kinds of things that for you cross the line into the territory of now, like now I got to say something, what are those red flags for you? Yeah. I mean, I would easily say if you have reason to suspect that abuse is going on, I would say that's the kind of thing where it's more valuable to speak up out of your care and concern for the person as an individual saying, I value you being alive and healthy even more than I value our friendship. So still with the asterisk of understanding you might lose the friendship as a result of speaking up. And I do think it's important for people to understand that. But I also think there does there are certain situations and easily for me, abuse of any type is is one where I would say, if you feel like it's more important that you see the person alive, well and healthy, or at least know you did everything in your power to work towards that outcome that feels more important even than saving the friendship. And so so that would easily be an example that comes to mind for me. You know, another one that I think about is potentially one having to do with finances, especially like big dollar sort of concerns. Um, if there's suspicions of financial abuse going on, but even any kind of sketchy or concerning financial prospect that you may have observed. In fact, I had a friend point out to me, I've had twice had friends say something to me where they express concerns. One was a situation where my friend, and I, I was happy in both. I was glad that they brought it up. One was a situation where my friend thought I was being abused because I had bruises on my arm, but truly it was just because I bruise easily and was being clumsy with some like around the house repair sort of Mm -hmm. stuff that I had been working on. But honestly, I was so appreciative of her saying something. And honestly, she didn't even take my first denial. You know, I was like, no, no, nothing's nothing like that is happening. I really appreciate you asking. But literally, I was just working on some projects around the house. And she was like, okay, but like, I'm still concerned about the bruises. And if something is happening, I want you to, to know that's not okay and to that you can always talk to me. And I honestly, I just really appreciated that. Yeah. The other time was a friend who was concerned about a big financial decision I was going to be making about buying a property with somebody. And really it was going to be essentially me buying the property with promises from them to contribute. But my friend was like, look, I'm just really worried for you with this. And the truth is mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to share I didn't want both of our names on the title or the deed or whatever, how it goes with property. I did want it to just be me. I was feeling pressured into that. And I it meant the world that my friend said something. It just kind of normalized what I had been feeling. She was so incredibly nervous bringing it up. And she, I mean, I could tell on her face. And she said like 12 times, like, please don't be mad at me for saying anything. And like, obviously I respect whatever you want to do. And she just was so nervous about it impacting our friendship or me taking it the wrong way. But once again, like I was just really appreciative and it did help me hearing from her helped me to follow through. I don't know what I would have done anyway. I already did not feel great about the way that I felt like my realtor was also kind of pushing me towards us both being on the title. But 
it just didn't feel right to me since I was the only one putting money down. Um, and in it, I don't know where I would have landed with it, but I know her saying something helped give me the strength to make the decision that was already kind of aligned with what I wanted. And I belong to a finance group online where I've seen these kind of situations a fair amount of the time where people realize that their partner has maybe been misusing money or not telling the truth about how money has been being used or making secretive big ticket purchases. And I, I think when it's big money we're talking about, that's mm-hmm. another case where it just has the potential to have such significant ramifications in a person's life. So those would be two situations, abuse uh, and big ticket financial stuff. And then, I mean, really anything else where you think, any kind of harm to the person, like significant harm, harm to body, harm to ability to uh, make a a living will come into play. I mean, those will be the cases that come to mind for me. Anything you would add there? Yeah, I I definitely agree that those are, those are big ones. I, you know, the thing that scares me, I guess, is that we are letting people kind of slip down a path of like little drops of abuse as opposed to like the one big event of abuse. Abusers are also often smart. They're not going to kind of show all their cards at once. And to me, the part that's really hard is when I just see those little things like, and, and sometimes it's in quote unquote too late, like the people are already married or they already have children or, you know, fundamentally, I ultimately think it's never too late and you should always walk away from it. It just gets harder and harder. And so it's just these little things like, especially things like the guy is just using these little put downs against the woman, right? And it's just sort of dominating in these kind of little mean, annoying ways. That's where I'm often like, kind of concerned or, or other signs of, for example, oh, there's another one that's really hard for me, seeing kids raised oh, with yeah. little things having to do with like toxic masculinity and like, you know, boys don't cry type stuff. Yeah. And, and like watching that is really, really difficult for me, right? Because it's not, this doesn't fall into the bucket of, uh-huh, clear physical abuse or something like that, but it's just, that damage that's being done over time. And here, I think it really depends on the person you're dealing with, whether you feel like this is something that can be addressed with them or not. Uh, And sometimes it can't, right? Like sometimes, and and that's really, I don't know. I'm just, I guess I'm always very sad when there's harm involving kids, even small types of harm or or kind of, I wouldn't even call it a small harm, you know, but like in the moment, it might be not huge. And so those things, in a way, that's also an intervention into the relationship, right? Because often it's like both parties doing it or like that makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, that was so tough. And I would would tend to add that to my list of times where, you know, where I think you want to very seriously consider saying something for the same reason of you might lose the friendship, but you're helping a child or knowing that you're doing everything you can to help a child who's helpless in this kind of situation. I know it's a tough call. And honestly, I mean, I can think of ways where where I might have suspected something was going on. For example, a child who I know who has made some kind of comments about 
food or eating or weight that make me wonder mm. if they're getting unhealthy messages about that at home. Mm. Um, yes. And I don't know from which parent or both parents or if it's not even coming from the home, but I, I'm concerned about, you know, the comments the child make because the child is a friend of, of my daughter. And so... You know, in that situation, I didn't say anything to the parents, but I did try to try to say something to the child about like, you know, all body types are beautiful and, you know, whatever, like if I had an opportunity to say a comment about eating things that are special treats, we can do that in moderation in this house, you know, or things like that, just to provide their like this other perspective. I have done that, but fallen short of saying something to the parents. And I think there it's because... I maybe just didn't feel like I had enough information that maybe I could have been reading too much into it, but it was enough of a concern that I was like, well, in my capacity as mom of friend, you know, maybe I can just provide an alternative perspective. I, I mean, I think about when I was a kid, it helped just seeing how other families lived, understanding, oh, there's like a different way of being. So I guess maybe that's what I've done in those sort of situations. But yeah, you know, as tempting as it would be for me to say, if kids are involved and you can see them being harmed, you should definitely say something. I easily could come up with an example where I didn't um, to, to the parent. But again, it's because of some information like, do I know it's the parents that are contributing to this? And it's a little different, you know, um, because what our topic is, is meddling in somebody's relationship, not necessarily meddling in their parenting, but but the things can be related. Very much so, because I think, for example, sometimes one parent might feel a certain way and the other one can't counter the messaging because they're being sort of subdued yeah. uh, in some way. Um, I, I don't think one can really separate these things out, right? Or, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's, it, it is, it is a problem with the relationship if both people in the relationship are sending yeah. bad messaging to a child. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like you, I mean, I, I sort of lead a household where like half the time, I don't even know where my scale is. Like, honestly, there, there were months and probably years where I didn't know where my scale was. Uh, and I kind of wanted to model that for my child also, that that's just not something we're going to obsess about. Yeah. See, I did the <laughs> same with the scale specifically. Like I, and that's one thing I'll give my parents credit for, because I feel like relative to most people I know, I have healthier self-esteem than most people I know. And I do wonder how much of that might even come down to something small, like not equating my self-esteem with weight or body image. And my parents growing up, we didn't have a, we might have had a scale, but it was like one and it was up in their bathroom, which was like a separate floor of the house that I didn't even really have reason to go into. It just wasn't something that was emphasized. And I didn't have a working scale here in my house. I had a scale somehow, but it required batteries and I just, they had died or I had not put any batteries in them or something. But my daughter, after hanging out with this friend, started asking about scales and weights and wanted to measure her, like weigh herself. And and then there was a period where I'd catch her like, you know, being interested in that and wanting to know how much she weighed. And so, you know, that's just one example. But yeah, you know, it's one where, as you said, it has to do with the values of the people in the relationship as well. Like in that case, do we keep a scale around? Do we talk about what a scale means and doesn't mean things like that? And of course, we could, you know, have conversations about that, but about different things besides scales, too. That just happens to be one example. No, absolutely. And, you know, and here we also start moving into, I think, not just 
friendship, but does it, is it different when it's a family member? So we have the kind of classic stereotype of the meddling mother-in-law, yeah. right? <laughs> that's that's kind of the thing. So is does does let's say a, a mother or mother-in-law have a greater right? privilege, whatever you want to call it, to comment on a relationship? Or is it quite the opposite? It's like, no, like danger sign. Like <laughs> there'd be monsters. Like this is not a place you want to go. You really need to stay out of it as much as possible. What do you think? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to think about because on the one hand, I do feel like nobody, very few people anyway, are going to be more invested in your happiness than a parent who loves you, um, which not everyone can be fortunate enough to say they feel like they have that. But a lot of the times, you know, there there are a few people who will love you more than your parent and they've known you longer than most people. You know, they've just been invested in you. Again, not true for everyone, but true for lots of people. And so for lots of people, for their parent to say something is essentially somebody who knows me so well and for so long and who has so much love for me saying something. But I think it does depend on the motivation because sometimes a parent saying something is somebody who thinks they're entitled to control my life, telling me what to do. Because as a child, our relationship with our parent was they set the rules and they they decide what we do and what we don't do. And if they think that that still extends into our adulthood decisions, like you can just tell me what to do or what to think or value, that feels different. So I would say it's one thing for a parent to express concern. It's another thing for a parent or other family member to feel like they have the right to tell you what to do or to presume that they even know you as well as they did when you were living under the same roof. I mean, I know this to be true about me, and I've had many conversations with people who say it's the same kind of thing. Like, I'm really a different person than I was when I lived under my parents' roof as a child and teenager, but it's kind of crazy. Like, when I get back around them, it's like, I don't know, it. some of the old dynamics are just so strong, I get pulled back into them, so I even find myself acting around my family in, in a somewhat different way than I act on my day, in my day-to-day life that they're not a part of. And and I've heard that that's not an uncommon experience. So so it's tough because even if you do see your family semi-regularly, they still may not fully know the current you and what all you value. So I think the biggest distinction is, are they expressing concern or are they entitled to tell you what to do? Yeah. And that's I think that's true for friends also. Like you can offer up an opinion, but then you can't keep badgering the person to, yeah. to do what you're you know, expecting of them. Do you think we touched, we touched about this a little bit in the matchmaking episode, but do you think if you're the person that match made the couple, you have a little bit more of a, uh, an entitlement to, to comment or say something, or is it like the same rules apply and just like, you know, stay yeah. out of it. If you think you just have some sort of weird right to, yeah. to guide the way here. See, I could understand why people might think that they, should have more of a say just by virtue of I was fundamental in the two of you getting together. But my inclination is to say you don't have any more of a say. It's you put the two together and that's where your involvement in their relationship ends. Um, And in fact, as we talked about before in that prior episode, you know, like 
it's a calculated decision even trying to match make amongst people you know, in part because you don't know what's going to happen next. And if it doesn't end well, you know, then you're in a weird position because can I still be friends with both of them? Things like that. So, I mean, it's always should be a calculated decision about whether to match make in the first place. But to keep things less messy, I do think after you've introduced them, your hands off. It's their relationship now, just as any other relationship would be, would be my sentiment there, because I still think nobody's entitled to tell somebody what to do in their relationship. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that's right. And one thing I wanted to ask you earlier too, is this, and look, it's so hard to know, but from your experience and speculation and whatnot, how many, like what percentage of relationships would you guess are abusive? Whether we're talking emotionally abusive or, or you, you, we don't need an exact number, but, but yeah. just sort of a, a general ballpark. Because I do wonder with society becoming more individualistic, right? And people, for example, I mean, certainly here in New York City, generally living in apartments, you usually don't know what's going on with your neighbors. I mean, unless there's literally like a, a domestic violence crisis that you can hear through the wall or the vents, which does sadly happen. Uh, but aside from that, like you don't generally know what's going on in other people's homes. And so is it, I mean, are we as a society not involved enough as opposed to too involved in the relationships of others? Because I do wonder about that. I think it's a great question. And I'm definitely, I'm not, versed enough to say on statistics. I looked up some statistics relating to this. So the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence says one in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured, physically injured by intimate partners. So if those numbers, it's coming from a national domestic violence-based organization. So, I mean, that seems like as good of a starting point as any for numbers. And then if that's physical injury, then we know the numbers, there's even more who have also been injured, you know, psychologically or some other type of abuse that that may have happened. So that gives an idea percentage wise, like how often this is happening. And then, you know, it's it's really tough to your point about are we too individualized? Do we not care enough about others? You know, I'm a therapist, so I'm <laughs> obviously I have a bias here, but, you know, my first thought about that is maybe you recommend that your friend talk to a therapist rather than tell them what to do in their relationship because the therapist i think people who are willing to go to therapy and to to the extent that they're willing to share be honest with their therapist you know their motivation for doing so is that they genuinely want help figuring out if this situation is a good fit for them. Whereas, so with a therapist, at least they're asking them and they're choosing what information to disclose. Whereas in a friendship, if they're not asking you and you might have information that maybe they wouldn't have chosen to give you, you just were there so you saw it or something like that. So I guess, yeah, of course I'm like, my job is the answer. But I mean, I kind of feel like it a little bit is like that, that maybe the thing you can do to express care and concern is say, I'm worried about you or you don't seem as happy as you have been, or it seems like you're dealing with a lot, is it something you might consider talking to a therapist about? Let me help you find somebody. And that's a way to show concern without you yourself 
essentially like meddling in the relationship. So I do think you're right that we could stand to care more about each other as a society. You know, we've had guests on here before, um, M.A. Lutkin being one who really talked about the loneliness epidemic. And I mean, it is a real problem that people don't don't act as though they care as much about other people as would be healthy. And so, so I think certainly the answer involves finding a middle ground there where caring can take on a lot of different forms. It's interesting how that brings us full circle because you were saying at the beginning of this episode that you really have to question your own intention. And I think this kind of nicely puts a, a bow on it because it's like, if you're telling people, I mean, sure, there are, I could see someone maliciously saying to someone, you know, I think you and your spouse or your partner really need therapy. Yes, I could see that being done in a bad way, but that's pretty rare. I think generally speaking, when people say, hey, like, especially if they are able to talk about their personal experience and they're able to say, I was really helped by a couple's counselor and here's a person I really recommend and it's made a huge difference in our relationship and you know we weren't always taught the right stuff as children and blah blah blah. I think there's a way to do this that is not going to be perceived as mean and, and should come from a place of course where it's genuinely not mean as opposed to like you were saying trying to be controlling or or being a know-it-all and thinking you know things about the relationship that maybe you really don't know or or just not being tolerant of difference Right. Because there are going to be things where, yeah, someone else is not going to have the same kind of relationship that you have. But that doesn't necessarily make it wrong. Like it just, yeah. you know, it's just, it works oh, for them, yeah. whatever. Um, so I think there is a fine line there uh, between, you know, things that are unethical and things that are just whether it's culturally or, or socially yeah, just personal differences. I could easily think of some examples of that. Like um, people who, so for example, a friend who had had a string of bad relationships and she was single at the time. And I did share with her, I was like, you know, you seem like you go after bad guys. What if this time would you give a good guy a try? And I forget if maybe I was even trying to match make her with somebody or something. I mean, but I certainly broached the idea of how would you feel about a good guy? And I felt comfortable enough with her and with our relationship that I felt like I could say you go for bad guys. But what she said to me in response was, no, the good guys are boring. I like a bad guy. And that was just, you know, almost incomprehensible to me because I just feel like, bad guys mean it's never going to end well. And, and why would you want to deal with people who don't treat you right? But so like, that's not ever a choice I would make. But I mean, she was going into that eyes wide open. She said, I don't like good guys. They're boring. I like bad guys. I like that it's more exciting and interesting. And so that would be like a values example, you know, where you just, people are going to feel different things and and they're entitled to live their life by their own values and similarly like i'm another thing i can think about is sometimes when you feel like somebody's in a relationship like for money or something like that where you're like you don't really care about this person like wouldn't you want to find somebody who you actually have more in common with or who you could have a real future with or who you really love rather than this person who doesn't seem like a great fit for you based on what all I know about you, but is very rich, you know, something like that, or you're only willing to consider dating very wealthy people and then complain about how frustrating it is that you can't get commitment out of them or whatever it might be, you know? And so, so that's another one I can think of. I actually, I could think of several, but 
the common theme is your values are going to be different than other people. And you've really got to check yourself to be like, my values aren't the be all end all of values. They are my values. And, and it, I can't impose them on other people. Although I would, I would push back just slightly on some of the examples, maybe especially the bad guy, good guy one, because yeah. some of those are, I mean, values are also not static. Yeah. And, and so somebody thinks, for example, I can only be romantically attracted to bad guys, but then they go to therapy and they unpack that. And it turns out now they understand why, and, or maybe they don't. Right. But yeah. I, I just, sometimes it's just hard to tell even the money thing. Is that actually your value or were you taught something when you were young that has led to some confusion in your life as to what will actually make you happy? So I, I just think sometimes it's hard to tell what is static and what isn't. Yeah, um, what right. is coming from trauma and what, and especially, I mean, especially with things having to do with lifestyle, I feel like, yeah, look, there are people out there who say, no, like, I just don't want to have a job. I want to stay home and be pampered and, and all that. It's like, well, all right. Like at some point, if they name every job on earth and they explain to you why they hate every single job and this is the only thing they want at some point, yeah, you're going to have to give up. Right. But oh, with some people, you might you might make some progress or, you know, maybe if you give the good guy a chance for a little bit longer than you thought, like all of a sudden, maybe you'd get used to it or maybe, I don't know. I mean, so I feel like we can come up with examples both ways, like people were eventually they got over themselves and people who didn't. Um, and it's hard to tell in advance who's who. But, yeah, you're right. Like, so at different uh, points in time, somebody may get to a different point in what they value for sure. But I do think if somebody is making it clear that this is their value at this point in time, and they're not expressing any desire to change it, I do think you're gonna be up against a brick wall if you try to convince them that there is an objectively better way of doing things. And so yeah. often you do need to just kind of sit by and let your friends or family member make the decision they're going to make. Again, you can express concern. You can suggest they talk to a therapist. If it, you know, you catch those moments where they are struggling, where they're having a hard time and say, I can see you're having a hard time with this. And maybe those are the points at which they'd be open to exploring. Is this coming from a good place or a bad place? What would it take for me to feel differently? Do I want, is there any part of me that wants to feel differently? But yeah, you just can't know that if you're not in their brain and you definitely run the risk of being, of them feeling like you don't understand them or don't respect their free will if you keep pushing, and maybe that's the thing you said earlier, like, you know, maybe you can express a concern or opinion, but to keep pushing is is certainly a bridge too far. Well, and also if it distresses you, you don't have to continue yeah. being a witness to it. Like at some point, yeah. like if it's like painful to watch someone get abused, if it's painful and, and you know, you can say, I am here for you but I just can't be a part of it anymore, yeah. right? Because there can also be a moment where you start feeling like an enabler, an enabler to the yeah, abuse, absolutely. if you like. So I think there are maybe ways to, to protect your mental health also while maintaining that open lifeline, if should the person ever choose to maintain a communication line, should the person ever choose to kind of choose a different, um, yeah. take a different path. Let me jump in on that one because I've certainly heard of examples like that. And I think it's important for our listeners, Have you, if you've ever been in a situation where somebody did say to you, I can't be around you because I feel like I'm enabling this behavior. But if 
things should change. If you ever want to get out of it, you know, um, you know, I'm always here. I would encourage you to please take that friend or family member at their word. It feels hard to go back to them later and be like, you know, head down, like you were right. I should have seen it earlier. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed that I didn't. They will take most, most of the time they will embrace you arms wide open back into the fold. (laughs) You know, I can't say every time, but I think more often than not, they meant what they said, which is you can come back to me and I'm I'm still going to care about you and I'm still rooting for the best for you. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard of situations like that or known people who have gone through situations like that where they were ashamed, embarrassed, dragged their feet on ending a relationship because they know other people had told them before you should. And they were like, no, no, no. And then those people had cut them off. And um, much more often than not, people aren't going to be I told you so. Let's make you feel bad about it. Sometimes they might, but most of the time it's truly water under the bridge and you should reach back out to your friends if you have found yourself in a situation like that. Yeah, I think nine times out of 10 or more, like people will be just thrilled to <laughs> that you came to your senses and you yeah. want to, you know, find happiness. And uh, yeah, I think we just we just always have to keep the door open for people changing. You just never know. You never know. Someone who might seem incredibly stubborn now, they might have an experience that just completely flips them. And so I think part of being a good friend is just to to envision what is possible for your friend, even when they are not able to see it and even when you're not able to talk to them about it and just kind of you know, keep that mental image and, and just wait and hope. And even if you have to go on with your own life, like just uh, be there for them at a distance. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it five stars so that others have a chance to listen to it as well. And make sure to subscribe so that you can get our future episodes. You can become a part of our community by joining the Strangers on the Internet Facebook group or following us at Swipe Strangers on Twitter or on Instagram. I would like to thank my husband, Carlos Freini, for sound editing, as well as Vlad Kujuku for permission to use his music for this podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye.